Two weeks ago, we were talking about that which is true nourishment for our spirit. That which enables you and I to be spiritually healthy, to mature spiritually, we discovered that that true nourishment is doing God's will. See, God has a plan for everyone's life. God has a plan that he has developed even before we were born. God discovered this plan uh, and, and, and he implements that into our life and he wants to reveal that plan to you and I every single day. Every single day that God gives us breath is a day that God wants to reveal to you and I what he has purposed for us to do on that particular day. And when we are actively engaged in doing God's will, we become spiritually healthy because it's God's will that's true nourishment. And then last week, we were talking about how timing is everything. In other words, when, when God begins to reveal his will, on occasion, there are things that God reveals to us that are not for the moment. For instance, when God revealed to me in a prayer meeting that he was going to make me a pastor, that did not take place right away. That unfolded years later. But, and if had I thought that it was for that moment, and I would have proceeded to, to do things to try to make that happen, and I would have gotten ahead of God. And so we discovered that from time to time, we get into trouble when we try to get ahead of God, when we try to make something happen that God uh, revealed to us. But the, the thing is, the timing is off because oftentimes when God reveals something to us, we then need to wait and ask God, well, what's the timing of that thing, God? Is that something for the here and the now? Or is it something you are speaking into my life that you are going to do, but not at this moment? And there are some great and tremendous promises that God gives us regarding his will that we need to just wait on God and not get ahead of him. And as I thought about that, then this thought came to me. Because of our human nature is such what happens when we swing the pendulum in the opposite direction regarding time? What happens when God reveals his will to us and God indicates to us that this is the time to do that, but then we just don't do it? We choose to ignore it or to put it in the context of our message today, we say the time isn't right, God. In the Old Testament, there's a book called Haggai, it's the prophet Haggai. I'm going to be turning there to chapter one, and I'm going to read the entire chapter. It's not that long, but it's critical that we get a full picture. Verse one, listen. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai uh, to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come 
to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to have them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains on the, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces on people on, and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Sheatile, Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God, and the, the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord, their God, had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shatile, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Josedak, uh, son, uh, excuse me, Joshua, son of Josedak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, and on, uh, on the 24th day of the sixth month. Okay. Now let's... Uh, better understand this by looking at what was going on historically. God's people, because of their disobedience and their refusal to listen in the past, were taken into captivity to Babylon. So there they were in exile where God said they would be there for 70 years until they had learned that it was better to obey their God than to rebel against him. Now, while they are there, the time has come now. There's a king on the throne. His name is Darius. And Darius, God put it in Darius's heart to rebuild the temple of God. Because in that time that they were in Babylon and in exile, the temple began to be in ruins. And so Darius issued a decree before the people of God and saying, if anybody wants to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of God, they can do so. And so the people of God got all excited now and they returned from exile to Israel with the focus of rebuilding the temple of God, which was in ruins. 
And they were doing that for about a year. They laid the foundation, but after a year went by, they suddenly stopped. And God took notice. And notice, did you pick up why they stopped? They said, it's not the right time to rebuild God's house. It's not the right time to rebuild the temple of God. Instead, they began to focus on their own personal homes and houses to rebuild those and, and they, at the neglect of God's house. And so God raises this man called Haggai, who's a prophet, and as we mentioned last week, a prophet is someone chosen by God who has the spiritual ability to foresee the future and also to speak on behalf of God. Say, this is directly what God is saying. Let me relay that directly to you. And so God raises up and sends this man, Haggai, and, uh, to help the people get refocused, if you will, back on what their mission was over a year ago. And how they responded to that and how it applies to us today is what we want to take a look at. So we want to begin with this question that God asked the people back then. Is it a time for you to live in paneled houses while my house remains a ruin? That was the question God asked them. In other words, what God was really simply asking them where is your priorities? Is your priority really to neglect my house by building your house? Is it really accurate for you? Is it really right for you to, to focus on building your own house while my house stays in ruin? Remembering that I had you freed for the very purpose of rebuilding my house. Is it really time? So now, here's what I think God is saying to you and I. This is the question I think God is asking us today. What is the focus of your life? What is it that you look at and view as your highest priority in life? And basically, the answer to that question falls into two categories. Are you building your own life, your own house, or are you building God's house? Where is your focus, in other words? You see, if we're building God's house, that means we are actively engaged in doing God's will. God's house is not a physical building. This, this church building, if you will, it, all, that's all it is. It's brick and mortar and some sheetrock. This is not, there's nothing holy about this building. This is not God's house. The Bible teaches us that God's house are the people of God. Because God dwells among his people. God dwells in your heart. When you embrace him as your Lord and your Savior, his spirit comes to take up residence in your spirit and your body now becomes the temple of God. And then collectively together, we make up the house of God. So the question is, 
Are you actively engaged? Is your focus on building God's house or is the focus on building your own house? And by that, building your own career, your own dreams, pursuing the things that you want out of this life. I would submit to you that when our priority is in building our own life, we become out of focus spiritually. If you could help me out with the camera, I want you to look up at the screen, and those of you obviously that are watching on the internet, you'll see it the same way. There's what it means by out of focus. Stay looking at that, don't look at me. Is that pleasing to the eye? No. In fact, it hurts the eye. Can you imagine? That's how people who don't know Jesus view Christians who are living for themselves and not for God. You're out of focus. Out of focus means you think you're right before God, but you're not. Out of focus means you think that you are in a good place with God and that you can see spiritually clearly what God wants, but you're really blind. Out of focus, you see. Moreover, you, we have to see something here today. Look at verse uh, five. Let's put up verse five and six for me. Uh, listen to what God saying. This is what the Lord says. Give careful thought to your ways. You planted much, but you harvested little. Means you get little for your return. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your full. You put on clothes, but you are not warm enough. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. And look at verse nine now, what God says. Once again, you expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Not the devil, not demons, not the government. God blew away. And he says, why? Because my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, not because of the devil, not because of this crazy government, although I don't think the government is crazy, but some might think so. <laughs> Listen, because of you, come on, look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. Because of you, the heavens have withheld their due and the earth is crop. God said, I, in other words, God again, I called for a drought on the fields and on the mountains and the grain and the new wine and the olive oil and everything else that the ground produces on people and livestock and all the labor of your hands. What is God saying? He's saying, I will never bless a life that's out of focus. That's what God is saying. I don't bless lives that are out of focus. I'm going to do what I have to do to get your attention. And so what that means is God saying, everything that you try to do, I'm going to frustrate. You're trying to build up your own house, I'm going to create problems in your house. You're trying to focus on your career, you have no time to build my house because it's all about your career, I can get you fired. I'll get you demoted. And don't blame the devil because it's me 
is what God's saying. I'm the one doing all of that. I'm stopping every blessing that can come into your life because your life is out of focus. Oh no, this is serious. See, the people had come focused on rebuilding God's house. But in less than a year or in about a year's time, they lost their focus. Their life has got out of focus. Listen, if you're frustrated because no matter how much you try, you can't seem to get ahead. If you're at that place where you take two steps forward and three back, maybe it's because your life is out of focus. And the one who has got you into that place where you can't seem to get ahead is none other than God himself to get our attention. That's what God was using the prophet Haggai to say, tell his people. You guys are so focused on everything, everything around your life that you've neglected my house. And to get your attention, to get you back in focus, I've had to do certain things. One of the things that I love about this portion of scripture where God's saying, you earn money, but only to put it in a purse with holes in it. Many years ago, I was talking to a young man in church because he approached me about this thing called tithing, giving God 10% of income. He thought that was way too much money. And I, I read him the scriptures that taught, teach us about that and the connection of the promises. And I said, look, nobody in this church will ever force you to honor God. But, and I read him the Haggai, God says, if you don't honor him, he'll put a hole in your pocket. Yeah. A week later, and this is a true story, a week later, he came to see his pastor, I gotta see you. I said, okay, what's up? He goes, you will never believe this. When I went home after I left you, I reached into my pocket and I couldn't find my $20 that I had. <laughs> and I'm like, where's my money? Where's my money? And the minute I'm going like this, all of a sudden I hear God saying, I put a hole in your pocket. <laughs> this is a true story. And he said, pastor, I'm going to honor God. I'm going to honor God. I said, okay, good. See, God knows how to get our attention. And the things that we're, 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 we live in a country where it's all about trying to get ahead and trying to make it and trying to be successful. And God is saying, don't you understand? If you live that way, you're living out of focus. And then the one who's going to try to stop you is going to be me. And I'm going to keep intensifying things in your life so that nothing you do is successful. Not because I hate you. Not because I don't love you, but because I love you and because I want to get your life back in focus, I'm trying to get your attention, you see. Now, living in focus, which is what the title of this message is, is when your priority is building God's house, simply doing his will. That's what living in focus simply means. And when you and I are living in focus, number one, listen, we enjoy God's presence. Listen to uh, verse 13 where he says, then Haggai, uh, uh, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to the, from, of the Lord to the people. 
I am with you, declares the Lord. When the people responded to the message of the Lord and got refocused to say, okay, we need to get back to God is right. We need to get back to building his house. In other words, we need to get back to doing God's will. And whatever that is, then God comes and says, the first thing God tells them is, I'm with you. In other words, what God was saying is, you are now going to enjoy my presence. This is more than just an occasional blessing. This is more than just the tinkling of our emotions in a, in a Sunday service. This is the continual abiding presence of God in our life. Brothers and sisters, when we are actively engaged in doing God's will, when we are in focus with living right before God in that regard, we experience the abiding presence of the Lord. And I wanted to encourage you with that because nothing, nothing in this world can compare to the abiding presence of God. There's nothing that this world has to offer you physically, emotionally, mentally that could ever compare with the presence of God and how it can satisfy our soul. Amen? So number one, he enjoys God's presence when we're in focus living. Second, in focus living enjoys God's provision. I want you to look at chapter two with me, beginning at verse 18. This is what God says. From this day on, from this 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. Now, from this day on, I will bless you. I will bless you. God's provision. We never miss out when we focus on doing God's will in our life. This past Wednesday in the prayer meeting, we were looking at the very familiar passage of scripture where Jesus fed over 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And part of that message was understanding that sometimes in God's will, God will use you to meet the needs that are around you. And specifically, sometimes in God's wills, those needs around us are overwhelming. As it would be when they say, God, there's over 5,000 people there, 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So there must have been close to 10,000 people there at least, and they had five loaves and two fish. And they said, what is this going to do among so many? But yet the Bible says Jesus already knew what he was going to do. And so they gave him their five loaves and two fish. He blessed it and then gave it back to the disciples to feed the people. And everybody ate as much as they wanted. And then afterwards, the disciples collected the leftovers and they had 12 baskets full of fish and bread. In other words, every disciple had a provision 
provided by God just for them. Think about this. They only had five loaves and two fish. When you and I look at our own personal resources and we feel like, I don't have what it takes to meet this need that's before me, to do God's will, it's overwhelming. But see, God is not asking you to do it under your own strength and with your own resources. God is simply saying, will you surrender to me and obey? See, give it whatever we have. If we give it to God and just say, God, here it is, my whole life, my abilities, my resources, I give them to you and I'm ready to do whatever you want me to do. Surrender and obedience. When we combine those two together, God blesses what we have and then not only does it meet the need of others, in turn, God abundantly supplies for us. Abundant provision. I reminded the people on Sunday, I mean this past Wednesday, you can never outbless God. Amen. And God had told the people, the barns have been empty up to this point. The vines haven't produced their fruit, but now I will bless you. See, you can't get the blessing until you make the decision to get your life in focus. Some people want God to bless them and then they'll get focused. God says, no, no, no. Get your life focused. Start doing my will and watch. You will not only enjoy my presence, but you will enjoy my provision. I will provide everything that you need in abundance. For you cannot outbless God. Number three, in focused living enjoys God's protection. Listen to what God said in verse 20. The word of the Lord came to Haggai a second time on the 24th day of the month. Tells the governor of Judah that I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn royal thrones and shatter the power of the foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers. Horses and their riders will fall, each by the sword of his brother. We're living in a time of great testing. With now the unfolding of this war in Ukraine, some believers are getting really concerned which is a fancy way of saying I'm worried. But didn't Jesus said prior to his return there would be wars and rumors of wars? So are we not seeing the unfolding of the preparation of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ? But see, when you're engaged in spiritual warfare, if you are depending on yourself to get you through fear, will eventually win out and overcome you. But when you are in focus in your living, you realize God not only provides for me, I not only experience his presence, but I also have his protection. Where God now is saying, I'm going to take care of that enemy. Remember, the children of Israel had been in exile they were under a, a powerful nation at that time. And God was telling his people, when you align yourself up with my will and your living is now focused on 
doing that which I have purposed and planned for your life. Not only will you enjoy my presence, not only will I provide for you, but I will also protect you. And I don't know about you, but there is no greater protection in my mind and in my heart. There's no greater protection than the Lord Jesus Christ. My confidence is not in this government. My confidence is not in this country. My confidence is in almighty God. Because the demons of hell tremble at the very mention of his name. Blessed be his name. And some of you say, I, I got to do this. I got to do that to protect. And, and, and I see Christians all over uh, on social media. And I'm, I'm getting my gun. I'm polishing my gun. I don't say that in a foolish way or a kidding way. But my heart aches for you because if that's what you're depending on, oh, I got, I got to protect myself. Well, then if you got to protect yourself, then God won't. That doesn't mean we act foolish, but it means that we realize there's always going to be issues all around us. But if we are living a focused life where we're in the very center of God's will, we enjoy his presence, we enjoy his provision, and we'll enjoy his protection. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Pastor Jason, if you would come. Would you stand with me right now? Now, here's the key. Here's the key to enjoying this and, and getting our, our living in focus. Here, listen, here's the key. Verse 13. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to the Lord. I am with you, declares the Lord. Listen to verse 14. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, and the spirit of Joshua and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. In order for you and I to have and maintain this in-focused living, we need a constant stirring of the spirit of God. You see, I'm not naive. I recognize how frail my own heart is. I recognize that I'm no different than the children of Israel. Man, they got back and they started serving God and they were so focused on doing what God wanted them to do. But it took less than a year and all of a sudden they lost focus. Come on, isn't it right that sometimes we go through these stages where we are so focused on serving God and we're doing great and then somewhere out of nowhere, it seems, all of a sudden one day we wake up and we've lost focus and we're back to doing other stuff that we know we shouldn't be doing. And I realize in my own life, I need God to constantly stir me to stir my spirit. That word stir in the Hebrew means to reawaken, to open eyes. In other words, we gotta constantly ask God, God, keep my spiritual focus sharp. Help me, God, to understand and to see. First of all, is my life out of focus? I need to see that, God. I need to understand that. I need to make sure that my priority is I want to live 
to do God's will. Because if I live to do God's will, if my life is in focus, I'll enjoy the presence of the Lord. I'll enjoy God providing for all of my needs. I'll enjoy God's protection. I won't have to go after all those things. God will meet me in such a supernatural way. I want God to stir my spirit this morning. How about you? How about you? You want God to stir your spirit. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about not just an emotional, oh, I feel goosebumps. I want God to stir my spirit so that I get focused in my living. I want to be focused on doing God's will, whatever that might be. And I want to stay focused that way. Pastor Jason, would you lead us? And then we're going to.